So we've all heard the phrase, follow your nose, right? Follow your sniffer, trust your nose to sniff out something that's good or not so good. So example, I have a couple teenage sons who are into sports. I get into the car and there's just a funky smell in the car. If you have teenage athletes, boys, you know that funky smell. So I start sniffing around the car because I got to know, like, what is this smell? And I'm sniffing around and I find this nasty, sweaty sock under the back seat. And I follow my sniffer and, and I found something disgusting, right? You've been in that, you've experienced that before, so your sniffer can lead you to something foul, but your sniffer, your nose, can also lead you to something that smells great. So you've been walking through the city, I don't know, Philadelphia, New York, Allentown, Bethlehem, and you just smell something really good. And you're smelling, and you smell, 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 and you come into a restaurant area that's baking something, and I think one of the greatest smells in all the world is when you smell fresh bread baking, right? You're just like... I gotta find that, I gotta eat that. Give me some of that butter to slather on there and just yum, right? You follow your sniffer, you follow your nose to something that smells incredible and you want it, you wanna consume it. Today where we are in John's gospel, there's a crowd of people, much like this crowd, that are following their nose. They're following their sniffer. They're following and hearing that in Jesus' town, he's doing all kinds of incredible things. He's teaching with grace. He's teaching with truth. He's healing and working with power. And crowds of people are hearing about Jesus. He's the talk of the town. So people are following their nose to go, who is this guy? What's he like? How does he work? What does he do? And they're following their nose. And we learned a couple weeks ago in John chapter 6 with Jesus, a crowd comes around him. They're trying to find out who he is. And in his kindness, in his generosity, he decides he's going to feed the crowds. And he takes out a happy meal and he thanks God for it. And he starts to disperse it among the crowds. And they eat so much that they're filled. And then we learn that Jesus at that moment then went up on a mountainside to be alone with God. His disciples get into a boat to cross a lake. A storm kicks up. Jesus walks on water to his disciples who are afraid. He gets in their boat and takes them safely to the other side. And Jesus uses, does these miracles, the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on water, all of that is to display the fact that he's the Son of God. He wants people then, he wants us now to understand that he is the Son of God who has come into the world not to condemn us, but to save us. Not to condemn us, or, but to save us. So we're picking up the story in John chapter 6, verse 25. If you have a Bible, open it up, turn it on to John chapter 6. And this is one of those texts, sections of Scripture, that you following along with me is going to help because it's really thick. It's really the deep end of the pool. Lots going on here in John chapter 6. But this crowd of people... They're sniffing out Jesus. They came to him because they heard he was doing incredible things. They ate so much, they got full. And then they wake up the next morning and they're looking for Jesus. And they can't find 
Jesus. He's gone. They're like, where's the guy who fed us yesterday? They have no idea where he is, so they begin to search for him. They're following their nose. Where did he go? Maybe you're actually here today because you're following your nose. Maybe you've interacted with someone in your family or in your workplace or your school. There's something about their life that they said, hey, you should come to church with me this week. And you followed your nose because you're curious about who this Jesus is. Maybe you've tried all kinds of religion, self-help books. You've been on a journey to seek after something that will satisfy you. Maybe you followed your nose. Today, you're going to bump into Jesus for the first time. Maybe some of you are here and you've been following Jesus for a long time. I mean, you're sitting here now. You're watching this online because you just do church. That's what you do. It's a part of your whole life experience. You've been in small groups. You've gone on mission trips. You've done the Christian thing. But when you look at your life, you know you're hungry. You know you're seeking after. You've plateaued. You used to love Jesus. You used to be passionate about him. But now it's kind of like been there, done that. I've done the Jesus thing. Now I just check the box. I do the religion thing. And here's what you got to know about Jesus today. If you smell him, you will find him. If you seek after him and are hungry to know him, he wants you to know him and he wants to satisfy you. He wants to come alongside you. And there are times when you seek him, you don't understand him. And there are times that when you seek him and you smell for him, you, you don't get what he's trying to do or say. But if you seek him, if you keep following your nose, if you keep walking towards him, you will be satisfied. Let's pick up the story. The crowds are looking for Jesus. He's gone. They get into boats to sniff him out. John chapter 6, verse 25. It says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Logical question, right? Yesterday you fed us. We ate till we were full. We woke up today. We're hungry for some more. Where did you go? Verse 26. Jesus answered them. Very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Yes, you followed your nose. Yes, yesterday you ate till you were full, till you were stuffed. Now you've come to look for me, to seek me, not because of who I am, but because you ate your fill. You were craving something. You needed something. You ate yesterday, and now you're empty again inside. You're looking for another happy meal. You're craving for something more. You don't want me. You want what I can do for you. And Jesus is trying to say to them, look up. If you always chase after the things that you crave, in the immediate sense, you'll always be craving for something more. But is it possible that there may be more available for you from God himself that will satisfy you so that you won't have to keep searching for more? And I think what Jesus is doing here is he's diagnosing the problem of all humanity he knows that we all want God to do something for us instead of wanting God himself. Oh, where's my miracle, God? Fix my marriage, God. Solve my problem, God. 
Heal me, God. I want you to do something for me instead of, I want you, God. I want you to be in my life. And Jesus is saying there's so much more than craving after what God can do for you. He's saying, I want to be a part of your life. Verse 27, work for something eternal, which the Son of Man will give you. They asked him, what must we do to do the works God required? See, Jesus says to him, work for something that spoils. The Son of Man will give that to you. And instead of saying, who is the Son of Man? Where do we find him so that we can get what he's giving out? Instead, they want to know what the work they have to do. They ask, what do we have to do? What kind of religion do we got to do to get what you're selling, Jesus? And Jesus is so patient. He says in verse 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. What do we have to do? To get eternal life, to find satisfaction, you have to do baptism, and you have to do catechism, and you have to give more, and you have to serve more, and you have to learn more, and you have to clean up your act, and stop cussing, and don't do bad things, and only do good things. Is that what he says? He says, no. If you want to know what to do, it's simple, but hard. Believe. Here's what God wants of you. He wants you to believe in the one he sent. He wants you to believe in him, and that is really hard work. Actually, it would be a lot easier if Jesus gave us a checklist, right? I mean, don't you want the list? Here's all the things you should do. Here's all the things you shouldn't do. And then you go down and you check the list, and you feel good about yourself, and that's supposed to solve your cravings for God. And Jesus is like, no, that would be easy. Here's what I want you to do. Believe me. Trust me, and that is hard, but when you do it, you have life, Jesus says. And the crowd's response is so interesting, verse 30. So they asked Jesus, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna, the bread, in the wilderness, as it is written He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Wait, this is the group who yesterday ate and Jesus fed them miraculously from a happy meal. Now they've come and they're asking questions. They're sniffing around Jesus and they say to Jesus, here's here's what we need from you. For us to believe you, we need you to do something to prove who you are. And that makes sense to me because in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says that, Jews, Jewish people, are always seeking signs, seeking evidences, signs. It's kind of like Americans. As Americans, we want science. If we have the right science, then we'll believe. With no science, no empirical evidence, we're not going to believe. For Jews, they want signs of power. So they say to Jesus, well, why would we believe you? Why would we follow you? Where are your signs? Jesus is like, as if I didn't just make a happy meal, feed 20,000 people. It's like that wasn't enough. And in their minds, in their history, they knew that their first rescuer, a guy named Moses, that was sent by God, rescued them, redeemed them, and provided for them bread, manna, for them to sustain themselves through the wilderness. And in their tradition, they knew that the last redeemer, the Messiah, the one who was gonna come and rescue, would also provide 
food, bread from heaven. So they're like, Jesus, show us a sign. And Jesus is like, I just did. But instead of smacking them like I would and be like, didn't I just do that? He's so patient. He says to them, very truly I tell you, verse 32, it's not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's connecting himself with God and saying God is the source of all bread. He was the source of Moses' bread. He was the source of the happy meal I gave you yesterday. Remember when I thanked him and then I gave it? He's the source of all bread. Guys, you want God to do something for you, something miraculous, some sign of sign, instead of you wanting God himself who is standing in front of you. And this is so interesting because the crowds have followed their noses to Jesus. They've been sniffing around all his miracles, all his teaching. They see that he's powerful. They see that he's graceful. They see that he's truthful. So when he starts to describe this bread that's available to them, they say in verse 34, always, sir, give us this bread. Like what you're describing, what we smell around you, what we sense, what we see, what we hear, I don't fully understand it, but whatever you got, I want it. Sir, give us this bread. Let's have it. And Jesus says in verse 35, I am the bread of life, which we have no idea how incredible that moment must have been. Because they're sniffing and they're searching and Jesus describes it like any rabbi would talk about God and talk about the Son of Man and talk about the eternal life and talk about truth. He's just doing what every rabbi would do. And they're like, this smells good, this smells good, give it to me, give it to me. And Jesus is like, I am what you want. I am God, I am Redeemer, I am Messiah, I am Rescuer, I am Savior, I am Satisfaction. If you want your cravings filled, I'm the one. It's like, what? Cosmically big, hard to comprehend, but this is incredible, cosmic described as bread. I mean, why? Stop and think about this for a moment, why? Would Jesus describe himself, the biggest, greatest, sovereign king, say, I'm like a piece of bread? And I think he does it because he knows that bread has a universal appeal. He knows that in every culture for thousands of years, bread has been a staple of society. It's universal in its appeal. So when you smell bread in any culture, you go, I want that. What kind of bread do you guys make? I want your type. Oh, yours doesn't have yeast? Great, I want it. Whatever you got, I want what you, it's this universal appeal that it doesn't matter what culture, race, economic, background, no matter how far you've gone from God, how far away you've traveled seeking after whatever, whoever, no one is too far. No one is too lost, too broken to need a piece of bread. So the King of kings and Lord of lords says, I'm like bread. And he knows, he describes himself as bread because he knows that bread is necessary for life. 
I mean, if you don't eat, you don't live. If you don't eat, you can't sustain life. And so he offers himself and he says, you guys understand, physically, if you eat something, you take it in, it works its way into your body and nourishes every part of you and it makes you do what you do. Without eating, you don't live. But did you know, he's trying to say to us and them, that spiritually you also must eat and I'm offering myself to you. And if you eat, you will live. And what's incredible about this bread is it doesn't have any icing. I want sprinkles. Like, I want it to smell like cake. It's not that at all. It's this universal basic necessity of life that just smells good. And if you eat it, even though it's not sexy, even though it's not delicious tasting like sweet, it goes down and nourishes you and transforms you and changes every part of your body. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Verse 35, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Come to me and be satisfied. Believe in me and you will not need anything else he, he's trying to get our attention, their attention, to say, you want miracles, you don't need miracles, you need me. You want more accolades, you want more popularity, you don't need that, you need me. You think you can get more sexual thrills, you don't need that, you need me. You want to get more education, more money, more things, you don't need those things because if you have me, you have everything. He wants them to know that in him is satisfaction and hope and peace, that with him you have everything. But look what happens in verse 41. At this the Jews then began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread that comes down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? You see, their noses said, this guy smells good. He's saying something great. I'm listening and I'm leaning in and I want it. But as soon as we hear who he says he is, we go, no, this is not possible. I mean, we know Joseph. We went to the bar with him. We watched the Eagles game with him. We know his family. We know the circumstances. There's no way. See, in their mind, in their mind, they couldn't compute that God would do this. So they disconnect. They say, no way. This can't happen. This doesn't square up. And you'd think in this moment, if I was Jesus, I'd go on a full-court press to sell them. Like, okay, I, I hear you're grumbling, and I hear you're skeptical, and I hear you don't believe. Let me try to slow down a little bit and explain and point out some things I did over the last couple days. Remember that happy meal in Tofita? Let me explain all. He doesn't slow down at all. You think with people that are grumbling and skeptical, he would slow down, try to sell himself, go a little bit easy, not really try to offend anymore, but that's not what he does at all. He is about to ramp things up. And in this next section, what he does, he starts talking about the intimate connection he has with God the Father, what God is about, he is about. And I actually don't have time today to get into that, but this week's Real Talk, we push that out on Wednesdays. Pastor Brad is going to describe here in John chapter 6 and teach out what does it mean that God the Father and God the Son are connected intimately together in this mission. So subscribe to our YouTube channel or sign up for instant access or on social media and get into this teaching. But here's what's incredible to me. When people are skeptical and grumbling, instead of slowing down his teaching, 
Jesus goes on a full court press. He says in verse 48 again, I am the bread of life. They're skeptical. And he goes, I am the bread of life. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. He takes it to the next level in verse 53. Very truly, I tell you, guys, if you haven't heard anything else of what I'm about to say, pay attention to this. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. What? Like, is anybody weirded out right now? I'm weirded out. Like, I'm sniffing around Jesus, and I'm hearing him say, I'm the bread of life, and I'm hearing him say he can satisfy, and I'm watching him do incredible things, miracle worker, does this cool stuff, and I'm following, I'm sniffing, I'm believing, but then what? Like, eat your body? Drink your blood? You were a miracle worker, now you're a cult leader, and I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? These people have followed their nose to Jesus. They've seen and heard and experienced incredible things. They hear something that starts to mess with their mind, that Jesus is the bread of heaven. He is God in human form. It messes with their minds, and they start going, I don't think so. And Jesus is just trying to drive home the point here. Do you believe I am the Son of God. He wants us to answer the question, does he pass the sniff test that when you smell around him, does he smell like God? Does he love like God? Does he lead like God? Does he speak truth like God? Do you believe? Maybe he starts saying these crazy things, eat my body, drink my blood, because he wants to stop people in their tracks who are just smelling. You see, when he says, eat my blood, or eat my bread and drink my blood, like you hear that, when he says, eat my body, drink my blood, is he being literal? Like, does he want the crowds to come and stampede, stampede on him and start biting his biceps? Does he want to open up his veins and spidey blood into their mouth? Is that what he's trying to say, do? Is that what he expects? Heck no. He's not doing that at all. He's trying, I think, to call his listeners to begin to say, do I believe? Do you say you believe and then act on what you say? Is this just a game where you sniff around Jesus, you smell around him, and what you smell smells pretty good, but then as soon as he says or does something you don't understand or don't agree with, you hit the eject button and you leave? You see, in the book of John, in this chapter especially, Jesus uses language like, come, believe. Something for your head, come, listen. Something for your head, come, follow. Something for your head. And this is the first time he says something active, like come, believe, eat. Come, believe, drink. 
See, I don't think he's talking about communion. This isn't about the Eucharist. This isn't about the the Last Supper. This isn't it. He's calling these people to make a decision that says, I believe enough to act on what I say I believe. That if the work of God is to believe, and Jesus is the bread of life, and you say you believe, does this result in living active faith? Does it result in living active faith? So again, go back to the bread. I could smell this bread. Oh, it smells good. But I have a choice. Is there a difference between what it smells like and what it tastes like? I could smell this bread and make a choice that I'm going to eat it or not eat it. It might smell good, but when presented with the opportunity, now eat it. Go ahead. Eat it. You might go, no. It smells good, but that's enough for me. I don't want anything more than the smell. I'm not eating it. How different that is than someone who says, smells good, tastes good, and when you take it in, what does bread do? It goes down into your stomach. This is so simple. It goes down into your stomach and works its way through the digestive process into every cell of your body and changes you. One cell, one muscle, one ligament at a time. So that when I eat, the change comes. So I think when Jesus says, eat me, ingest me, I think he's inviting us to be changed. Because when you ingest Jesus, when you bring him into you, it secures a change in you that starts now and goes forevermore. That I want you into me. I want you a part of me to the point that it changes every fiber of who I am. But so many of us are just smelling Jesus. Oh, it smells good. And we stop there. And we wonder why we don't experience change. Because we're spending all our time sniffing around Jesus and it smells good. The aroma might be nice, but we're never willing to commit and say, I'll take you in, into my heart, into my life. Because here's what Jesus wants of his followers. He wants us to so believe in him that we welcome him, digest him into our finances. Digest him, bring him into our sexuality. Digest him, bring him into our relationships. Digest him, bring him into our addictions, our temptations. Digest him, bring him into school. Bring him into work. Bring him into family. Bring him into the living room, into leisure, into joy, into grief, into every aspect of who I am. He wants me to welcome him into every single part of who I am. Because when I do, that's when I'm changed. But I'm spending a heck of a lot of time sniffing around the truth. Instead of when the truth doesn't taste so good. And when God wants me to live, believe, act in a way that sounds counterculture and different than what everybody else sees and thinks, I push away and go, you smell good, but you don't taste good and I spit him out of my mouth. Instead of, no, 
I want access. I want to transform. I want to change every part of who you are, starting now and lasting forever. And what's incredible about eating bread is when we choose to eat it, we don't know the science, we don't feel the science, so to speak, of how it works gently into every cell, but we know it works, and we know it changes, and we know it moves us. And so when we take him in, he's so patient, he's so gentle, he's so kind, that when we choose to say yes to his truth, yes to the words of his scriptures, Yes, I believe in when I don't understand. Yes, I'll trust you even when I doubt. And I choose to take him in slowly, quietly, simply. He transforms me and changes me and makes me new. How much time are you spend sniffing Jesus and not embracing him? choosing him. He will not force himself down your throat. He's an invited guest that we welcome, we receive, we take in his truth, and that's when it begins to transform us. Pray with me. Good Father, thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your character that's patient and gracious. Thank you that you understand our cravings. Thank you that you understand that we're hungry for something real, something satisfying, something lasting. Thank you that you provide your son so that every person ever born could find lasting hope universal appeal for life eternal that comes through the one you sent, the bread of life. God, for people here today who are listening online, watching this, pray that we'd know that there's a decision to make, that when we sniff around Jesus and explore him and try to understand him, There's a time and a place for that, to just explore, but there's also a moment in time where we have to decide whether we want you to be a part of our lives or not. So help the people here, the sound of my voice, to put their trust in you. God, for us who've been following you for a long time and picking and choosing what part of your truth we'll decide to eat, I ask that you'd help us to see The smelling isn't the same as eating. Give us the courage, the wisdom to embrace you even when we struggle with doubt, even when we're not sure. And as we embrace your truth, change us. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.